back. Welcome back. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, me too. Oh. It's othered. It's your favorite podcast. Yes. With your favorite hosts. Hosts. Sarah and Caleb. Here we are. We're here for you and your ear holes. All your holes. <laughs> Fill all of your holes with our essence. <laughs> So we can restart the intro if you want to. <laughs> Welcome back to another unhinged episode of Othered. Our favorite kind. Honestly, I think we're just wing a ding in it, you know? I like that. Wing a ding in it. Wing a ding in it. Never heard anyone say that. That's, um, well, I just said it. You are the first one I've oh, ever heard wow. say that before. Well, here we are. Here we are. It's February 8th. <laughs> 2024. Yeah. We're out on the streets. We're out here. Cedar Rapids. On the streets. On the streets. Cedar Rapids. Watch out. Watch out, world. Here we come. I don't know. For us. (laughs) (laughs) For this wild energy we have today. Yeah. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) So, Caleb, you got your one year. Oh, my God. Okay, so there's been so many things that I feel like have happened since the last time we recorded an episode. Tell us everything. Okay, well, um, what was the last episode we had with Zarya? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fabulous. It was Um, fab. Loved it. Love. Um, And then I traveled to Los Angeles. Ooh, the city of... Angels. Angels. Right. And uh, I went to go see my little brother. He lives out there. You have a little brother? Yeah, I have a little brother, a little baby brother. brother. My little baby 31-year-old brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Always be a baby. That's right. He's my little baby brother. And he's so cute and he's so precious and I love him with my whole heart. And I hadn't seen him in like two years. Wow. So it was good to spend time with him in his company and like meet his um his people mm-hmm. and um to hang out with his dog shiloh Ooh. was just the cutest sweetest little man what kind of dog um i have no idea oh. he was kind of a mutt i think he's like part um like sheep dog kettle dog something oh, that's a big dog um he's relatively like small like medium size mm. but like just has like these really expressive eyes like has a ho- like a whole soul behind those eyes you like, know what i mean like yeah. border collie size no uh, a little smaller than that wow okay yeah um but like really like wiry haired kind of i don't know part shih tzu maybe anyway um shih tzu and a sheep dog I don't know, babe. It's a weird combo. I'm like, it's not that I'm not a dog person. I'm just like not not a dog dog person. person, right? Like I love other people's dogs. I think they're amazing, you know, but I don't pay that much attention to breeds. So Fair. yeah. Um. Anyway, Los Angeles was great, and um, it was fabulous. And there are so many gay people in Los Angeles. Mm. So that was kind of City fun. of queer angels. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the angels of America, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's it, it was interesting being in a community of queer people. Mm. Um, because I don't really get that much here. Mm-hmm. Not that there aren't gay or you know LGBTQ people here. It's just... Different. A smaller community, yeah, and it is different. So it was, um, it was refreshing, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, heartwarming. Um, and then I got back and had to work, um, which sucked. And Iowa is a lot colder than LA is. I got to like spend time on the beach in LA. Like, you know, it was like 70 degrees and sunny and it was perfect. Wow. And then I come back here and it's, you know, it's, it's, but it's been decent in the past week or whatever, but still kind of just like, Oh, I'm back to the old grind. Here we are. Um, yep. But then we get to today. Yeah. And I get to record this episode with you, Sarah well, and what, Craig. What'd you do today? Um, okay, well, <laughs> um, today, February 8th, is my sobriety anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. We love, Thank you. We love you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been kind of an emotional day. I've been like on an emotional roller coaster. I went to yoga um, this afternoon and sat down with Sarah, and I just kind of started crying. Just like thinking about all the ways that my community and the life that I have today has been so supportive and encouraging and loving to me um, to get me to this point. And I, before we recorded this episode, I got off the phone with my mom and I don't know, I just, there's an aspect of feeling so much more engaged in my life through sobriety, through um, taking this seriously, that I think has been really, um, I mean, life-changing, mm-hmm. right? Like I, the life that I have today isn't anywhere close to what I had before. And it's hard to put it into words, I think. Um, but I think, you know, a big part of it is like, uh, I feel very like authentically myself. You know, like I don't have these things to like run to, to, to cope or to numb or to run away from my problems. I'm like very deep in my shit Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, and sometimes it's not perfect. Sometimes it's kind of messy. Mm -hmm. Um, But whatever it is, I'm, I'm in it. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, raw dog in life, you know? Yeah. Um, And it just, it feels kind of surreal, you know, to be sitting here um, with you to be doing this and to notice like how different it is from a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of uh, gratitude that I have for my community and for you two and for um, this podcast, you know? So, yeah. Well, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I know it has not been an easy journey Mm-mm. and it takes a lot of courage and strength to raw dog life yeah. without substances. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. Thank and you. I'm really glad that you made that decision so that you can be around and be healthy yeah. for many years to come. Mm-hmm. Cause I've got headlights that are going to go out. One of these days. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to need them changed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm here for you. You know, and I feel like maybe that's something I couldn't say very much before you know or i could say it but i couldn't really follow through Mm -hmm. you know and i think that was one of the things that originally like when i got sober was big for me was to say that i could be there for somebody else Mm -hmm. to be available to be present um and that's what i want i want to be here for it i want to be here for you and i want and i and i want to mean that and i do and i want to be able to follow up follow through Mm -hmm. execute that so I just, 
really appreciate how you show up in the world. And I've always have, but I do notice a big difference, mm-hmm. I think, in how you feel about your ability to show up in the world now. Mm. Well, yeah, you said something about courage, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that's been like one of these words that is like, you know, I, I keep seeing or I keep hearing. It's like every sign, you know, that I pass has the word courage in it. You know, I mean, like not literally, but like figuratively, you know, mm-hmm. that um the world is hard. Mm-hmm. Feeling your emotions is hard. Being in relationships is hard and scary. You know, I feel like there's um, what I was one of the things that I've learned, I would say, is that like I, I've been afraid of so much in my life that I kind of operate so often out of a place of fear. Mm-hmm of rejection, of scarcity, of um, being misunderstood or misperceived um, to be something I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, or even to just like be rejected or hated for, you know, being gay, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that's come up a lot through uh, my my sobriety journey um, that I haven't quite gotten over all these fears that kind of crowd in my mind and crowded out my thoughts, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But I think with sobriety, it's like I get a a level of clarity, right? And there's the opportunity, I think, to to be courageous. Um, Because I think for me, using and drinking was about running away. Mm -hmm. It was about turning off my fears, was about turning away from what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I had just had this thought, or I just had this conversation with my therapist on Tuesday that like, I'm so, I notice the fear now. Instead of it just like being in the fear, it's like, oh, I can notice it. That it's, mm-hmm. that it's not me, that it's other things that are like, that are there. And like knowing how to distance myself from the fear and to be like, okay, that's legitimate. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not irrational. But there's a different perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't don't think I'm perfect at, you know, engaging um, courageous thoughts or actions. You know, sometimes I I very much stay stuck in a a cycle of um, being depressed or angry or... um, paralyzed I think because of fear um, but I think part of the progress is noticing it and being able to say like that's what's going on here mm-hmm. and then being able then to have a different choice to make mm-hmm. a different choice yep <sighs> I agree yeah I'm so proud of you thanks I'm proud of you too I feel like you've done a lot of courageous things in the past year yeah I mean, I think I actually have been replaying uh, something you said to me, I don't know, maybe like a month ago in my head, but it has to do with fear. And I was telling Mm. you about fear of relationships. And I'm like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And Mm. you were like, Mm -hmm. you're living and operating out of a very Mm -hmm. fear-based mentality. And fear like leads to a scarcity mindset and Mm -hmm. when you think like that like you 
that's all you see. And so I've been really trying, especially in these past couple of weeks, to like look at a situation and be like, are you operating out of fear and scarcity or are you operating out of like abundance? Mm-hmm. Um, and in love. Yeah. Right. And it's definitely not always easy to do that. I feel like it's a lot easier to be like, yep, I'm afraid or yep, I am not. I don't like this. I'm just mm-hmm. going to not do it or sit at home and cry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, courage takes courage. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's so funny to me, like how in the past, I would say like three months, like since I got my nine month, um, chip that like the amount of, um, synchronicity that I feel like I experience, you know, the things that I feel like are kind of serendipitous or like kind of coincidental. Like I was just thinking about this and then this conversation happens, you know, outside of me being an influence in the conversation happening or um, coming across a book that I'm reading that feel like it's perfectly timed for like what I'm going through or like coming across a podcast, you know, either through Kat or through somebody else that I'm like, oh my God, these are the, exactly the same thoughts that I was thinking yesterday. Like what mm-hmm. the fuck, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so <clears throat> weird to me. And I think it's happening because of the intentional engagement that I think it also has to do with a lot of like um, the intention to be authentic. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Does that sound does that sound no, crazy? I get it. I feel like when when you are when you are intentional and you're open, like you do notice those things, or you mm-hmm. at least become open to receiving them in yeah. ways that you weren't before. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, and like maybe those things were happening before, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe I was too in my head or somewhere else, you know, to notice them. Yeah, you just weren't in the place to receive. Right. But now you are. <clears throat> and it feels kind of woo-woo, you know, because it almost kind of feels like the manifesting, you it know. Is. But it, it feels kind of Jungian or, It's like you you're know, just drawing in, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the things you're attracting. Yes. And because you're remaining open, mm-hmm. they're coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That idea of openness is also something that has been, like, a huge, like not buzzword for me, but like major, um, like plot point, Hmm. I think in the journey over the past year. Um, one of the things that I think I was on, I think I was on a closed loop, you know, that I was very much committed to my own narrative of my of my life Mm -hmm. that like it was going to be this way i am this kind of person i am this way um and i think with a changing of perspective like a mindset change of staying open and having like a willingness to change and willingness to like question the um like the presuppositions that I have, you know, about my own life, about the things that I believe, the, th- the choices that I make. Mm-hmm. I think that that um, has provided other opportunities, mm-hmm. I think, in a lot of ways to um, to make my life what I want it to be. You know yeah. what I mean? That there's kind of like, I, I think in, in the Christian circles, they talk about worldview, right? Mm-hmm. That there's like the Christian worldview and everything kind of gets filtered through this very specific um, formula, you know, or rubric 
that um, is kind of built up by dogma, right? Or theology, right? Um, and it kind of creates this net or this filter, right? Where everything kind of passes through it. And if it doesn't match up, then it, you know, goes straight through and goes to the trash. But if it like matches up, then it becomes integrated mm -hmm. into the worldview. Um, it's like a lens almost, right? Um, but I think once you took those, take that lens off, you like question what these lenses are. You're mm -hmm. like, what is this? Do I actually believe all these things? Or were these things just internalized? Were these things given to me? Do I need these anymore? Mm -hmm. I think it's been a really big shift in being like, oh, I don't have to act that way. Or, oh, that experience doesn't always have to mean this. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. And, like, it, it feels like, you know, duh, right? That I feel like I've heard these things before, but, like, when they're actually going, when you're actually going through it, it feels so different. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're a newborn baby and you're just like, wow, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> well, I feel like living life sober would feel brand new. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it is like you're a newborn baby. Like, you're having uh. to do all of the things that you used to do under the influence or with certain coping mechanisms mm -hmm. without. And I would imagine that those things feel really different sober. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. It feels like, um, somebody has said this before, um, about sobriety that if that you kind of stop emotionally maturing when you, um, you know, when you start becoming addicted to a substance that like, um, you don't have as, you know, uh, a good point of reference, right. For reality. Mm. Um, and when you get sober, it's like your emotional maturity kind of goes through <laughs> a lot a big of shift. a big shift yeah. of like recognizing <clears throat> the own, the ways that you're responsible for the actions in your life or the things that are happening in your life. Like what part do I play in this? Mm -hmm. You know, instead of just constantly from my own experience, constantly feeling like a victim or feeling like a martyr or feeling like, Oh, these things happened to me, you know, instead of um, looking at it from a perspective of like, okay, sure. These people acted this way, but I also, did X, Y, and C, mm -hmm. and I can see why now that they would act that way towards me if I was doing X, Y, and C. Mm -hmm. You know, like taking my own responsibility for my own shit, mm -hmm. which is a hard fucking thing to do. Yeah. Like, that's the work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like oftentimes, I know I am like way harder on myself than anyone else would ever be. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about being kind to yourself and trying to treat yourself as you would a friend. Mm. But there are things I say and do to myself that I would never do mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. But I think that there's a difference between like operating based off of like, you know, shaming yourself, mm -hmm. right. And beating yourself up for, you know, having these expectations of yourself that are unrealistic. And I think that there's a lot of, uh, untruth. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, um, irrational or unrealistic expectations that we have of ourselves mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have of anybody else. But for some reason we have these of ourselves. Right. right. Um, and I think that part of the sobriety, uh, lineage that I'm a part of is, you know, a rigorous, um, attachment to honesty and be like, is that true? Like, the things that you tell yourself, are they true? 
like, yo, you're a piece of shit. Is that true? Why would you say that about yourself? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like learning where all those things came from and how they also aid in the story that you make up about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. This own narrative that you have of yourself, that you're unlovable or that people only want you for sex or, um, you know, any of these other things that people tell themselves that aren't true, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like the worldview or the lenses that we've put on or chosen to put on because we need to filter things because reality is hard, right? Because reality is hard. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I love just the thought of like allowing yourself to change a narrative about you Mm. because I feel like, you know, I, I agree. I am not the person I was a year ago. Mm -hmm. Not the person I thought I would be. Um, if I were to ask 20 year old Sarah, like, who do you think you'll be at 30? Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have said this version of me, Mm -hmm. but I am fairly happy with who I am. Um, and I think one thing I've realized in the past couple of years is I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I have no idea who I'm going to become and that both excites and terrifies me. But I want to let myself evolve. I don't want to remain fixed and holding super tight to one truth about me right. because that can change or the circumstances that I might find myself in next week might not call for that same truth that I had about myself this week um, but when you allow yourself to change I think it does lead to a more authentic you and then you are able to pull things um, out of thin air that support the new truth about you or maybe the truth that has been there all along yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's the courage mm-hmm. right but um, it's hard to let go of those <laughs> narratives that we tell ourselves yeah. even if they're really good narratives right and I think part of it too is that people hold on to them because they worked yeah. You know what I mean? That they helped you survive. They helped you cope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a part of human nature that I think we um, don't talk about enough maybe is the kind of evolution, you know, is the kind of process of maturation or um, growth, you know, um, that we get in our own way about because we have to hold on to these old protocols Mm -hmm. hold on to these old narratives that aren't true anymore we have to allow ourselves to be a little bit more flexible Mm -hmm. figuratively to to grow to let go and to be able to say like okay i can discover more about myself there's more of me to know Mm -hmm. i have on my vision board a post-it that says get the fuck out of your way yeah because I'm like, most of the times it's you. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you invite other people to join you and stand in your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's easier to be like, well, Caleb, Caleb is, Caleb believes me, uh, believes this about me mm-hmm. or is in my way, or I can't do this because Caleb. And it's yeah. like, you invited Caleb into this false narrative and now you're blaming other people. Right. Um, it's like confirmation of, bias. Yeah. Right? Instead like, of accepting accountability for you and the shit that you put there the roadblocks Mm -hmm. you created the narratives you allowed other people to believe about you Mm -hmm. which probably aren't true either right Mm -hmm. yeah get the fuck out of your way everyone exactly stop doing that to yourself yeah i think one of the biggest greatest best things that ever happened to me is that my life fell apart Mm -hmm. is that i got brought low Mm -hmm. i like had a mental breakdown quit my job like lost 
so many friends, you know, and had to start over again, you know, with sobriety. Like the relationship that I had with uh, my ex crumbled again, you know, in some ways because we were like on, on again, off again. And then, you know, it took that in order for me to like shed this old skin, it feels like, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could grow. There's this quote. I'm going to have to see if I could find it. But it is like, I want to do like, I want to change without a storm. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. we all want that really like evolutionary period of time, but we don't want the thing that leads up to that mm. big change in our lives. Right. And it's like, oftentimes, no, mm-hmm. your life has to go to shit before you evolve. Yeah. Um, people don't just evolution doesn't happen because everything's going well. It happens because shit's not working. Otherwise nothing would change. Evolution is adaptive. Yeah. Right. And without needing to adapt, there would be no need Mm -hmm. for evolution. Right. Because things are different. Things aren't working the same way. Right. Yeah. I love that. I think it's really hard for, for change to happen without pain. Well, if there's no pain, what are you going to do differently? Right. Right. If you think everything's just going along well. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Don't fix it if it's not broke. Right. Pain signifies something is wrong for us. Yes. Otherwise, like we don't. Pain is the signal. Yeah. Right. Pain is the saying like, hey, something's not working. I love that. Keep going. Yeah. That was all. No, I love it. Okay. Well, I was, I just think that, yeah, we need that pain point oftentimes Mm -hmm. to initiate change. And if it were so easy to make huge changes without something being wrong, there wouldn't be books and fucking movies right. out about people hitting a low point and then changing mm-hmm. their whole lives. Like right. we wouldn't be inspired to mm-hmm. make a change ever. Yeah. I guess I love that idea that there's like a mythos, right. Or like a, um, a kind of cultural understanding of what it looks like to go through, uh, a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Right, that you kind of have to break in order to go through. Break down to right? break through. Yes, I mean yeah. it sounds silly, but it's so true. It and is. I think this is something we talked about at the beginning of the season. Even is that like changing requires like a grieving period too, and mm-hmm. we don't like to feel sad. We don't no. like to feel pain. No. In fact, that is what addiction is for me. Is I don't want to feel any pain or sadness or anger or whatever because it sucks. Yeah. I, mean, I just want to be happy all the time. I, I don't want things to be easy. All sobriety the time. is the real drug, though. Oh, yeah. I remember when I um, was going to quit drinking and smoking cigarettes, I at least wasted two full sessions with my therapist, like talking about how who the fuck wants to be sober? Like, what's mm. wrong with people? Like, life <laughs> sucks. This is so boring. I love that. Like, drugs are better. Yeah. And I bless her heart. She's probably just thinking, oh my God. But now, um, you know, like I have realized, yeah, sobriety is the real drug Mm. because you're fucking tripping every day. Like Mm -hmm. every day is different. Their raw dogging life Mm -hmm. is so much. It's more intense. It's more meaningful. It's more powerful. Mm -hmm. It's more. I don't know the words I'm looking for, but to be to truly choose to be engaged with your life is the real high Mm -hmm. like all that other shit. It's like, yeah, of course it's easier to get through life when you're not feeling it. But when you're feeling your shit, Mm -hmm. you're, you have all of that drive and passion and high behind you. Right. I think we end up 
like shortchanging ourselves by not experiencing our experiences, mm-hmm. right? That we don't fully let ourselves be absorbed in the process of living. Mm-hmm. And I think we do this in so many ways, right? Like there's so many A's, right? There's like SA and OA and AA and NA and CA and all these different like ways that people have addictions to numb their feelings about existence. Mm -hmm. Like, and I've even noticed like since I quit drinking that like I crave food, Mm -hmm. you know, like it'll be late at night. And instead of like when I would be at the bar, I get myself so many snacks and I just gorge myself Mm -hmm. right and then there are times when i'm like okay i need to stop doing that and i don't and then i lay awake in bed stressed out with anxiety because now that i don't have like the substances the food or the drink to like numb any feelings then i'm like oh now there's just feelings Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. fuck this you know and it's a struggle yeah um and so it's it takes a lot of self-awareness mm-hmm well, and compassion. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that, too, because you have to, like, handle yourself with care. Mm. You can't just be like, well, yeah, I suck. There's so much shit to change. Like, I'm so horrible that we're going to have to redo everything. And it's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe you are. <laughs> but, like, how can you compassionately <laughs> help yourself? Yeah. And how can you extend some grace mm. as you're making changes, as you're rehauling your life? As you are breaking down to break through. Mm -hmm. I think that happens through connection. And, you know, I think that like we need people in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like I, and this is something like another thing that I've, you know, fully embraced in the past year is that like, I'm a person who needs people. Mm -hmm. And I think we all are. We need each other to get through Mm -hmm. because I can't see myself, you know what I mean? Like I need you people like you in my life to be a mirror to me, you know, to tell me when I'm fucking up or when I'm being a shitty person or a bad friend or um you know, when I when I don't see the way through and it's like right in front of my eyes, you know, or right in front of my nose and it's like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um sometimes it's the people like just like Sometimes like, you need that person to give you that like eye-opening moment where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I was just kind of ignoring all of that. But like you mentioned it and now I'm like realizing it because you saw it mm-hmm. and now you're telling me and now I'm like, oh, wait, I can see it now. Yeah. Like, Have you when- guys heard of like that, those squares that's like things you know about yourself that other people know about you, mm-hmm. things you know about yourself that no one else knows about you, things other people know about you that you don't know about you? And then like things that are totally undiscovered. It's like that. Mm. And I feel like sometimes like there are things that you might see about me that I don't see because I'm me. So kind of like what you said, being a mirror for each other. Yeah. It took my therapist like basically saying to me, like, if this version of you in the life that you're in, like, if this was the same three years from now, are you sure that you would be happy? Because I don't think you would be. And I'm Mm. like, oh, my God, you're right. Like I'm thinking about my life and I'm like, oh, three more years of that. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Or when I was in like a like a bad relationship, it took my friend being like, Are you good? <laughs> and I was like, What do you mean? He's like, you like he's like, you you don't look good, man. Like mm. you are not happy in like this life. And I was like, Oh fuck, you're right. Oh yeah. shit. I didn't even think about it because my brain was just going, 
nope, scary, but blocking it so I couldn't wow. even see it. Mm-hmm. But someone else saw it and they were like, dude, you are you don't like that thing. Like, so I'm like, oh wild. my God, you're right. It is so wild how we sell ourselves out of, you know, growth and beautiful things in our lives and we place ourselves in hell and our own personal hells because of our fears, right? And it's so wild to me too that I was, you know, in a bad relationship for so long, you know, and there were beautiful things about it. Like I don't hate him anymore, um, but it, he wasn't the person for me. Like we weren't good to each other, you know, and I can take responsibility for the things and the, the ways that I was shitty to him. But even still, like my friends so often would be like, he's dimming your light, you know, like this is the same pattern that happened, you know, three months ago and you said you wanted to break up with him and then you stayed with him. And it's like, I did that for years. And it's just wild to me too that like we have to stay open to what other people who we trust are saying to us. Yeah, it's really easy to be like, oh, but no, you're wrong. I know me better, right? Right. Like I have to know me Mm -hmm. better. There's no way that you know me better. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes you just have to be willing to understand that someone can see you mm-hmm. differently the way that you can mm-hmm. and that's a good thing that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing that they see you in a different way yeah and can see the things that are bad yeah i think it was a really monumental thing for me to you know jump ship to leave that relationship but then also i was so grateful and blessed to have people who held me you know, like in so many ways, like I had friends who let me crash in their basement um, for months and then with a coworker for about six more months. And then I was able to like get out on my own, you know, and have my own house and all that stuff. But like it took me a while to find my footing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you were recreating a whole life. Right. And I like the word curating Mm, and reimagining. I feel like, so I'm reading this book that I really like. It's called A Renaissance of Our Own by Rachel Cargill. And she is just describing it. It kind of reminds me of you, but it reminds me of a lot of people I know where that their basic upbringing is very Christian um, centered. Mm. Uh, And then like during early adulthood, they have a, a wake up call and everything changes and they kind of forgo the shit that they thought they knew. And then they get to decide like what values are true to me and how do I want to live and how do I want to show up in the world? And it's really hard and it takes a lot of intention. And I, I think, well, I agree that sometimes we need a mirror, um, in people around us. But I think too, sometimes we just need to be confident enough in who we are Mm. to be able to pull away the parts that aren't us. And I know that there you've like reconstructed your life, but I bet there are, well, there are because I knew you when you weren't sober, Mm. the best parts of you from your days in addiction still are there, but now we can see them. Like everyone can see them all the time, Mm. you know? And I think, really holding tight to like who you are at your best has to be something that you don't lose through that. Otherwise I think it's really hard to curate a life that is your own or reimagine a world that looks how you want to and is accepting for the way you want to show up. I think that there's an aspect of this creation, right? Mm -hmm. That there's a creative aspect to all people. 
you know, even if like you're an engineer, you're still creating something, right? That I think that we all have have the ability and the drive to do, right? We're all in the process of creating our lives and creating meaning for ourselves, right? Um, and I think that also like has a lot to do with like the power of choice, mm -hmm. right? Like choosing the values that are most important to us and creating ways to showcase that in our life, you know, cause that's what gives us passion. That's what gives us, um, you know, our own meaning. Um, but that's a hard process mm -hmm. of knowing what kind of person to be, mm -hmm. you know? I like this book because she invites you and gives you space to actually create your own like manifesto, mm. which I've done many times. Um, I think I've just been in a lot of workshops and like read a lot of self-help books that encourage you to do the same, like write your core values and keep writing your core values. And then at some point, you know, over the years, you'll look at these things and be like, okay, like some of these things change. Uh, mm -hmm. The need for friendship might change not community and relationship, but when you're 16, the emphasis on friendship is much greater than at 30. Like that shifts, mm -hmm. but maybe empathy is always on the list. Yeah. Um, and I think once you start paying attention and writing it down, mm -hmm. you're writing your own story. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. I think to do, to like, Give words to what's up here, mm -hmm. you know, to the things that you kind of intangibly feel, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, so what does that look like for you? I mean, like, where are you at with that process? So I think in real time, um, I had an argument with a friend who I've been friends with for like 20 years this morning. Yeah. And she's a friend who I think because I've known for so long, like she knows exactly what to say to make me feel like shit. Mm. And um, in this argument, she said a lot of things that were, had some truth. Um, but she said a lot of things that weren't true. So it's like, this would be the time I would actually go to a manifesto or recall like, okay, here, here is my mirror. Like what is true? Because I'm looking at the things that she told me that, Maybe I don't like to acknowledge about myself or that I don't know. But then here's the list of what I think I am and the values about me that I um, value the most, mm -hmm. uh, the traits and characteristics about me that I think are really great and comparing that to what someone has said and being like, okay, well, here's how I see myself. And I also think it's important to like know who you are in times of stress. Mm -hmm. Um, I also took a business personality test once, but it said, here's how Sarah might be perceived when she's stressed out and not her best self. And I was like, wow, <laughs> huh? Was it pretty on the nose? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't negative words, but sure. they were words that if I'm stressed out and someone is trying to connect with me would be not, not great. It'd be challenging. Yes. Yeah. They would be challenging. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm aware now of how I come off when I'm stressed or when I'm hurt. And I also know who I am like at my very best. So mm -hmm. out of these things and out of the things I'm hearing from someone else, what is true? What can I take and make a change from? Uh, how can I be better? And then like after this, does this relationship 
still fit into the things that I think are important for my life Mm -hmm. and the way I want to go and the person I want to be, how did you show up in this situation? And then I feel like I get the chance to kind of sit down and dissect all of that and make decisions going forward. So I try really hard to be honest with myself about who I am. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for the most part, I'm fairly honest. I'm honest about the things I know. Yeah. Can't be honest about the things that someone else knows about me that I don't know. Well, you don't know what you don't know. Right. But I'm open to learning. Sure. And I think that has to be like a great commitment. You have to be open to receiving feedback about you, making changes based mm-hmm. on the person you want to be um, or not. So two of the words that came to mind when you were talking just now was this idea of integrity mm-hmm. and the idea of accountability, mm-hmm. right? That like we have these values that we have for ourselves that we are choosing to follow and we're choosing to uplift and to, um, you know, create in our lives, mm-hmm. right? And when we don't act and those and our actions and those values aren't congruent, then that's an issue of integrity, right? right? Like, you know, you got to act out of these places of these values. Mm-hmm. You got to hold on to those, Right. And then I think also the accountability piece is having people in your life who know what your values are mm-hmm. and who help keep you accountable to being in, in, in integrity mm-hmm. to yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because like you don't know what you don't know. Sometimes you can't see yourself in the mirror, you mm-hmm. know, like sometimes you don't know if you've got like shit in your hair or, you know, you know, right. whatever. Um, like I was at a, in LA, I was at a party, at a house party with my brother um, and I had my fly down the whole night. <laughs> didn't realize it until I got into the car. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like my little brother, I was like, Jonathan, what the hell? Why didn't you tell me? He's like, I don't know. I was like, okay, great. Thank you for helping me out. You know? Um, but I feel like that happens on, on a figurative level with our friends, right? Mm-hmm. That like we need to have friends who are also, who know us, mm-hmm. who know what we're about, who know what we want to be about and hold us accountable to that. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's important to communicate that to people. Because, well, fuck. Communication is key. Right. But also realizing like, you know, maybe something that someone has pointed out to me isn't actually a value of mine. Mm. So do I need to take it to heart or dwell about it? No. If it doesn't align with these things that I've already decided or the person I want to be, then that's the shit you have to let go because not every single piece of feedback that someone gives you is going to be true. Right. It's not true because they have their own perception as well. They could be projecting too. Yeah. So having friends who you know can be honest with you, mm-hmm. but it also, and this is a word that we've talked a lot about, vulnerability, mm-hmm. that it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable and to show people who you really are, especially when you're in a place of stress mm-hmm. or you're in a place of, you know, fear. Yeah. And to have a friend who's like, okay, I know what you're about. I know what you want. And this is how I see you getting in your own way. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah. And there's a reason why I also love like things like the Zodiac or like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs personality test. Cause I love like knowing things about myself. Right? right. And I hold them like with an open hand. I'm not like trying to like, you know, only operate within these very strict categories of boxes, you know, that are inflexible. Um, <clears throat> cause I want the chance to grow and to, you know, evolve. Um, but it does help. It does. I think so too. Yeah. It gives you a framework to mm-hmm. rewrite things from, I think. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. One last note is that I feel like when it comes to being a gay man in the Midwest, that I feel like in 
comparison to being a gay man out in California, right, or in New York, that I feel like I've kind of come to experience here is that like I think that there's a perception of who I am because I'm out and loud and proud that people put me into this box that they, you know, perceive me like kind of like what you were saying that there's these perceptions of me that aren't true. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think so much of the work is operating out of a place of fear because I think people judge me and have this idea of me because I'm out, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm gay that just isn't true. You know, and I think it can, it can happen on a different level. It's like sometimes I feel tokenized, you know, to like be the token loud gay man, you know, and that like. So was it offensive when I was surprised that you know how to change a headlight? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> not to me, you know, because I think like I, I also don't know how to do anything in a car, you know, essentially. But I know how to change a headlight. I know how to uh, change a tire. Mm. Um. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so not offended. So not offended. But like, there are things that are stereotypical about me. I think in some way, there's stereotypes exist for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, that's when I feel othered. You mm-hmm. know, when like I get shut out or um, people make assumptions about the way that I might feel about them. You know, like straight men are the biggest problem. Period. Hands down. <sighs> On so many levels. It's so systematically (laughs) nuanced and fucked up, though, with straight men. They're the worst. They are literally the worst. Yeah. Um, As a group, not as individuals, but like as a group. Collectively. Yeah. Straight men are absolutely the fucking worst. Mm -hmm. Because, and I think part of it's not their fault. No, it's systemic. Right. It's systemic. It's socialized. It's programmed, Mm -hmm. right? To be... um, emotionally immature, Mm -hmm. emotionally unintelligent to be in fear all the time of being sensitive, of being emotional, of showing affection, of knowing how to love sacrificially or in a way that is giving, Mm -hmm. you know, generous. Um, and it's, it's so hard to be friends with a straight man as a gay man Mm -hmm. because I think that there's like this fear that exists that like, Oh, I'm going to come on to them or that like I might have feelings for them or, you know, that my friendship with them is going to say something about them. You know, Mm -hmm. that there's like that internalized homophobia. Right. Um, my, one of my good friends was telling me that like his, his dad doesn't know that he's friends with me because he would probably call him, you know, the F word, you know? And it's like, why would they tell you that? I don't know. Um, I love this. I love this friend. This friend is a good friend of mine. And I understand his reasons for not, you know, telling his dad. Um, but, like, we're also just friends. So his dad doesn't need to know that we're just friends, you know, because it's not a deep relationship. I mean, it is a very deep relationship, but it's not like we're building a life together. You know right. what I mean? Um, I have made jokes that he's, like, my platonic, lo- like, life partner. Mm-hmm. Um, Which people find life partners in friendships all the absolutely. time. Absolutely. Um, when he was there, you know, when I got my year um, celebration um, and he's like one of my best friends, you know, um, but there exists in so many pockets of this world, you know, this idea that like if a straight man was friends with me or close to me, 
and not even in a sexual way, but just like as a friend that like that would say something negative about them, Mm -hmm. that there's still a negative association with being gay, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's just sad. It breaks my heart. Well, it makes me sad too, because you're like one of the best friends to have on the planet. Damn straight. And people's parents need to know that shit. Well, just people need to know yeah, that shit. Yeah, I would never want to hide a friend. Right. That would suck. And it's just like, I don't know. And there's been times too when somebody's like, um, like with another friend, we were traveling together. And he's like, I wonder if people think we're together. And I was like, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I mean, you're not really my type, but you know what? <laughs> you're Whatever. not that hot, motherfucker. <laughs> But it was just like, you know, that that thought had crossed his mind that he was afraid that like people might assume that we're in a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, can't, can't we just be friends? Like, I feel like there's this a lot, of, complicated, a lot of assumptions made by the cis hetero right. male population, mm-hmm. because I feel like they make a lot of assumptions about women as well. Mm-hmm. It's like no one likes you in that way. <laughs> Calm down. Like this, it's really not about you at all. Right. This has nothing to do with you. Right. But we live in such like a white male centered mm-hmm. world that they just don't even mm-hmm. believe that that could be the truth. As a straight man, going back to what you were saying about yeah. like, you know, oh, oh, well, are people going to think that we're like in a relationship or something? It is wild to me how lonely other straight people are willing to make themselves so they are not perceived a certain way. Right. And I am like, why does that matter? Why does that bother you? Like I, I have known other straight people who like just say some of the wildest shit and it's just like, Oh no, we can't like sit next to each other. And I'm like, fucking why? People are going to think that that I'm, I'm gay, man. And I'm like, why do you, A, why do you care so much? Yeah. And it's like, B, and I like <laughs> fucking right. calm down there, bucko. Like fucking, it's not that big a deal. But to them, like especially if they grew up with parents who are very much like can't ever be that. Mm-hmm. It's just like life or death if mm-hmm. anyone thinks that they're remotely gay. And it's just like you got so much therapy that you need. Yeah, lots to <laughs> like, unpack. Wow. There. Most times people are so concerned about themselves that nine times out of 10, they're not even worried about two men walking beside each other on the street. And that's the thing I always like, I'm like, especially in high school, like just trying to convince people. I'm like, buddy, no one is looking at you. No one gives a shit about you. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that you think they do. They absolutely don't. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. If they do, they will care about you for two seconds. And then they will forget about you the moment you're out of eyesight. Mm -hmm. Because that's just... Because everyone is in their world, and that's just how people work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But having this idea that like everyone's constantly judging me, oh my god, it's just like, whew. what an right. exhausting whew. way to live. Exactly. I'm like, it sounds awful to be in your brain. Right. It mm-hmm. sounds exhausting to be you. Right. I don't care that much at all. And right. I think it's it's such a privilege to feel that way, mm. um, because yeah. I think. You know, I'm often, and you probably are too, like I have to be hyper aware of my surroundings at all times. Like they're choosing to be hyper aware of their surroundings for shit that's not real. Like I'm concerned about safety. They're concerned about fucking someone's opinion that isn't true. Like they're making shit up. Mm -hmm. And the shit that I'm concerned about could, does, will, has actually happened. It's like, really? Yeah. 
And I think part of it is like becoming an object as opposed to a person. Yeah. Right. That I, I'm a thing, not a person. Yeah. That like your sexuality erases who you are as an exactly. individual. Right. And now you're just gay and that's yep. it. Right. You're not a person. You're a gay thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a very dehumanizing thing, mm-hmm. right? And I think women experience this a lot when there's like sexual assault, you know, or sexual harassment, or you know, any of the any of racial bias is a dehumanizing thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you make that person into a thing as opposed to a person. Yeah, and it's like fucked up. It mm-hmm. removes their ability to you know to self determine, to grow, to evolve. If you, as a person in power with privilege. Keep that from them. Yeah. You know, keep them in a box. Yeah. And use your systems to oppress. Mm-hmm. I'm snapping, clapping. This was a word. Yeah. We needed that word today, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. What a fun conversation. What a funsy one. I thought today was going to be totally unhinged, but that felt like really... Um, it felt hinged. It, we it had was, the hinges that was, on. That was at least, it was on one of the hinges, I think. I think it was on both hinges. You I'm think impressed. So? Okay. What about you, Craig? You know, I, I also thought like with the energy going in, I was like, all right, where are we going? <laughs> like, But then it immediately took a shift into seriousness yeah. and I am here for it. The train left the station and we were like, oh God, where is it Where's going? the train going? And they're like, oh, it's going over here. Oh, interesting. interesting. Choo-choo, Ew. motherfucker. Choo-choo, <laughs> It was a nice direction. I liked that. Me too. Mm, I liked you. I like you a lot too. Stop it. I really love you. I like you and I love you. Uh, same. Gross. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, I noticed that we got two more ratings. So I One was excited. Stars? No, I think there were five stars because ah! it kept our number the same. Nice. So we have a 4.8 rating uh. on... Um, Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. I love that. Me too. Wow. So it would be so cool if we could continue to get ratings. <laughs> Super cool. But if you're going to be a fucking hater and leave us a shitty one, don't even then think about go it. fuck yourself. Yeah. Go. But if you want to be a lover, yeah. then please leave us four or five stars. I want you to be a lover and a fighter, but not a hater. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And um, I would also take another review. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Okay. Yeah. Would it be weird for me to review my own podcast? (laughs) Okay. So I've left us a review. Oh, you did? (laughs) Yeah, I did. And I don't know if, well, you'll probably be, if you ever look, I'm sure you'll know which one I am. But I've also rated us because the fuck, we're awesome. We are. And I'm so, uh, yeah, I've been listening to quite a bit more podcasts since I got sober too. Um, and I don't know anything about podcasts or podcasting. It's just something I do, mm-hmm. you know, Tammy needs I just show, I just up. show up. I honestly, I just show up. I don't know. I would just work here, you know, but, um, everybody's like, Oh my God. Yes. Review, um, rate us. And that's how people get more views, right? Is yeah. Like if we're more highly rated. And do you more think reviewed, I'm just a narcissist out here? I, maybe. <laughs> You got to feed that algorithm. <laughs> right. I just thought you were hungry for it. You no. Know what I mean? No. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. If you like our podcast, you should let us know so that other people can find us too. 
Yes, that's why. Okay, yeah. That mm-hmm. is that is the full explanation. Thank you. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was just out here being like, oh, Sarah just wants more reviews. Sarah's that's just great. talking she shit She just again. wants feedback. That's great. No, I want us to show up higher on people's lists, okay? <laughs> okay. So go do it. Go do it. Uh, follow us on Instagram ah, at Other the Podcast. And um, stay tuned for... More of our show. Yeah, more of our show, more content, more exciting things coming up soon. Yeah. We fucking love the shit out of you. We fucking love you so fucking much. You better believe that (laughs) about yourself too, you fucking fuck. (laughs) Raw dog life, bitches. Okay? (laughs) Love you. Love you.